0: Okay, well, I'm excited to preach the Word this morning. We'll actually be preaching all of chapter 9 and 10. So, I think that's what we're going to attempt to do. That's what we're going to attempt to do. Hey, before we dive in, just want to, uh, to uh, bring before you next Sunday. is going to be a special Sunday in that Alex Bowman will be preaching <laughs> next Sunday. And so... <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be fun, Um, and uh, so, yeah, I told him a long time ago, okay, when things get settled in enough, you tell me when um, we want to have you back, so he will be here, and then the week after that will also be a special day in that we have Loon um, coming in. Now, some of you don't know Loon. Loon has preached here before. He's been pastoring a church over in Braden, Florida. Um, so other coast and uh, loon is a is a good friend loon um, is from Vietnam uh, his family were refugees when he was a child, and uh, loon and his wife uh, Teresa are nearing empty nesters, um, well, they are empty nesters, because here's what's going to happen, is Loon and his wife are moving uh, to, to Vietnam. Um, and for the intended sake of he will be teaching pastors how to rightly handle God's word, um, which is a very big need um, in many parts of the, of the world, um, but Vietnam being one of those. And uh, Loon is a fantastic preacher. Uh, And when I say fantastic preacher, what I'm saying is he handles the word so well. And so uh, personally just love sitting under his teaching. So he will be here in two weeks. Alex will be here next week. Wanted to just put those in front of you. You don't want to miss those couple of weeks. And here we are this morning. It's not about the donkeys, all right? It's not about the donkeys. That'll make sense here in just a few minutes. Before we get into the actual text, just a little bit of background or ways to think about Samuel. First and second Samuel are often treated like they're a compilation of Bible stories. Bible stories for the soul, right? Like it's kind of the Christian version of chicken, chicken soup for the soul, the Bible edition, all right? Um, but here's the thing, that's not what they are. They're not just random stories thrown together, read this one, apart from that one, apart from that one, um, to inspire you. There's so much more than that. They, they exist to tell us the wider story. Um, they're part of a larger story, and that story is the story of redemption. It's the story of jesus christ that as you're reading and as we're preaching through first and second samuel you're getting a part of that larger story of christ that christ is the ultimate answer to all the problems that the israelites are facing and he's the answer to the problems you and i are facing as well the the people we heard last week they're longing for a king give us a king And that longing for a king was right. They should be longing for a king. They should be longing for a king. The problem is they wanted a small king. They were longing for a small king. They were not longing for the king of kings. And while things have changed from then to now in that um, they wore robes and sandals and we wear t-shirts and shorts and flip-flops, Things have changed. Um, donkeys, yeah, we don't travel on donkeys anymore. We have cars and trucks and vans. Um, so much has changed, and yet nothing really has. Because the sinful heart is the sinful heart. It just dresses a little bit different and drives a little bit different. And so before we jump in, let's pause and pray. Ask for God's help. Lord, we do. We, we, we pause and we look to you. Lord, author, author beginner, finisher of our faith. Lord, would you come and would you meet with your church today? This is your church. So glad, Lord, that we pause and we pray. It's not something we would say every week, but Lord, just even this pausing and praying is to say, you're the head of the church. This church, this people, they belong to you. They don't belong to me. They don't belong to the elders. They don't belong to any leader, any man. They belong to you. We all belong to you. You're the king, and we just want to confess that before we even get into the text this morning. You're the king. Help us to hunger and long, not for some small king that this world could provide, not to some small king in the, in the form of a person, but Lord, for the king of kings, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the first point is going to be quite brief uh, it's titled, In Search of Donkeys. So we're going to go back to chapter 9, and we're going to read the first 14 verses. So a good, good chunk here. So hang with me as we read through this, and I try to read places and people's names that are quite a challenge. There was a man of Benjamin, so far so good, whose name was Kish, a son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bekoroth, son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than all of the people, any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, I like that transition. I just love that. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish and said to Saul, his son, take one of the young men with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of uh, Shalisha, uh, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shalem, but they were none there. And they passed through the land of Benjamin. They didn't find them. When they came to the land of Ziph, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, this is the servant speaking, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again, Here, I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver, and we'll give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. And Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. And as they went up to the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water and said to them, is the seer here? They answered, he is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Hurry, he has come just now to the city because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat till he comes since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. So they went up to the city. As they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. So verses one and two introduces us to a new guy in the books of first and second Samuel. Up until this point, we've not met Saul. We don't know Saul. We don't know who he is. I know, I know you grew up perhaps hearing episodes from First and Second Samuel. Maybe you know some things about it, but you need to kind of kick that to the side a little bit and just recognize here for the first time, we are being introduced to this guy, Saul, in the Samuel narrative. And what's important there in the introduction of Saul to us, the reader, is we're supposed to note something. What do we note about this guy, Saul? Well, he's handsome. This guy's got the look. All right. And so we're told multiple times, this guy, he's handsome. And then we're told he's handsome, more handsome than any other of all of Israel. And then we're told he's, he's head and shoulders above, taller than anyone else. Um, and so that's clearly a thing in the eyes of the people. Which is to say, this guy has the look of a king. This guy's got the look. This guy, sit up and pay attention because, well, man looks on the outward appearance. We we're not gonna get to that yet. That's that's coming in a few weeks. Man looks to the outward appearance and the and the author is telling us the outward appearance, he's got the look. He's got the look of a king. He's got the features of a king. And so we're gonna have this king like the other nations, but wow, he's handsome. He's tall. Well, we're told then in this like really quick shift from verse two to verse three, he's tall, he's handsome, he's handsome. Now the donkeys of Kish have gone missing. And like I said, I just love that transition. That's just like, okay, All right, so donkeys are gone. Guy is handsome and donkeys are gone. Here's the thing. It's a big deal in this culture that the donkeys have gone missing. It would be like saying, Justin has lost his computer. Bill Plummer has lost his tools. Uh, Bobby or Callie have lost their curriculum for the rest of the year. All right, like this is, this is, nothing's going to get done today. But it's even worse than that. This is likely their livelihood. So, um, yeah, Bill needs his tools. So we're going to need to go on a search for the tools, for the donkeys, because nothing's going to get done and our livelihood is in jeopardy. It's a bad day. So dad says, here's a young guy, grab the young guy, take him with you, go searching for the donkeys, So that's where we're at. Saul and this young guy are searching for donkeys and they will end up before this man of God, which brings us to point number two. It's not about the donkeys. We need to be reminded where we're at in this book here, 1 Samuel. Remember in chapter seven, Samuel's directing the people, direct your hearts to the Lord, right? And they they do they come to a place of repentance. And in that repentance, it's really just this beautiful moment. The people are repenting. The enemies are defeated. All the land is restored to Israel. It's a happy day. Chapter eight, verse number one, when Samuel became old and he appoints his sons as judges over Israel. And then we immediately find out his sons are bad. All right, so it's it's a way that scripture shows us everything's good chapter 7 Samuel's dying chapter 8 his replacements are not going to be good it's a way for scripture to say the carpet's being pulled out from underneath us all of a sudden the people of Israel are wobbly on their feet things are not stable things are not secure what are we going to do because our guy Samuel is coming to the end that's chapter seven, taking us into chapter eight. And so what do they do? They say, give us a king. Give us a king, which we saw last week. God explains to Samuel that, look, it's not a rejection of you, Samuel. It's a rejection of me, God. They're rejecting his rule and reign, his sovereign reign over their lives in a lust for a lesser king. Wow. And what we saw last week is we do that. We do this. So he instructs Samuel, warn the people. He instructs him, I'm going to give them, give them what they're asking for, and then warn them that the king is going to come and he's not going to give, he's going to take from you. Which brings us to chapter nine, where suddenly we meet this guy, Saul, who is this guy? And then we find out donkey's Have gone missing and that just seems so random randomly donkeys have gone missing verse two handsome man not a man among the people as handsome as this man and he's super super tall verse three donkeys have gone missing random verse three b dad says go find the donkeys take one of the young men with you that's kind of random just just grab one of the young men we don't even know the guy's name All right. Just random guy. Go with him. Go find the donkeys. But we're going to soon find out because this this random young guy is going to play a major part in what goes on. In verse four, we can't find him. Names all the different places. We're looking. We're looking. We're looking. Not there. Not there. Not there. Verse five, Saul says, let's go back because dad's probably getting nervous. No more, no more nervous about the donkeys, probably getting anxious about us being missing. And so let's go back. That's at which point the random young guy that we don't know the name of says, there's a man of God in this city. Um, and he'll know, he'll know where the donkeys are. And even that feels quite random. He's not a named person. We know that it's well the, the 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 person the man of God we know as the we know that's Samuel we know they're going to go on a search for Samuel but Samuel's not even named at this point he's just man of God and uh Uh, They don't seem to know a whole lot about him. Then they have this great conversation. Hey, we need to take him a gift. Maybe we can get some chocolates. You know, we got to get something to go along with us to give to the man of God. And so the search goes from searching for donkeys to this search for this man of God. At which time they randomly come upon these random ladies who just so happen to be going out to draw water. And we read there in verses 11 through 14, there were some women at the well and they're saying, hey, we need help. And the ladies tell the guys, uh, not where the donkeys are, but where the man of God is. And so you better hurry up so as to not miss them. And it's this at this time that we as the reader are supposed to get the fact that this story is not about the donkeys what seems so incredibly random, 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 isn't. We know this because we have chapters seven through 10. And in the days I already mentioned chapter eight, verse one, when Samuel became old and the people reject God and they ask for a God, a sovereign, I mean, they ask for a king, a sovereign king, a king like the other nations in the days when they reject God's sovereign care and rule and reign over them. Read chapter nine, where the sovereign king is ruling and reigning over. Over them, where everything seems just so random, we come to find out nothing is random. Actually, we come to see God, the sovereign king, is orchestrating a whole lot of stuff here. Let's read verse 15. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel. Tomorrow about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here's the man of whom I spoke to you. It's not random. (laughs) Not random. He it is who shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, tell me, where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I'm the seer. Go up before me to the high place. For today you shall eat with me and in the morning I will let you go and I will tell you all that's on your mind. As for your donkeys, (laughs) we haven't even brought up the donkeys. Samuel's just saying, oh, you know, by the way, as for the donkeys that you've been looking for, We're lost three days ago. Do not set your mind on them for they've been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for your father's house? We'll pause there. Why is all of this happening? Even in Israel's rejection of God, give us a king, God is giving them what they want and yet, well, he's still the sovereign king. This gives me enormous amount of comfort in the seemingly random moments of life. Have you ever been in search of donkeys? Answer is yes, you have. We call them keys, keys. We call them cell phones. We call them wallets. Have you ever gone in search of donkeys and you've ended up somewhere else? Our lives, our lives can feel so random. But church, rest assured, God is the sovereign king. And I'm so glad that he is. Isaiah 46 says it like this, remember this, remember, let's remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning from the ancient times, not yet done saying my counsel shall stand. That's what kings do. And I will accomplish all, all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Only God can say those words. Those are not your words. Those are not my words. We don't don't get to say, I have purpose. And I, well, we arrogantly try to. Proverbs tells us, you, you, you can plan all you want. The Lord orders your steps. That's what this text is telling us. Or the text, perhaps, in your community group, you were talking about a portion of this text this week, Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Because I thought it was about the donkeys. And the random guy, and the random circumstance of this, that, and the ladies, and hurry up and go see the man of God. So here's a quick, quick review. The donkeys go missing. Dad says, Take the young guy, go find the donkeys. They can't find the donkeys. Let's go find the man of God. They don't find the donkeys, but they do find the man of God, which is all to say. It's not about the donkeys, and it's not about the man of God either. It's about the sovereign king who's ruling and reigning. (sighs) That just explained every person in here's salvation story. We go on this search for something. Sometimes we even call it a search for meaning. We're looking, it can seem so random. It might even be in the midst of, you might be here this morning and you're on a search and you're in the midst of like chapters eight. Re- you might be here today and you're rejecting God as your king. You might feel as if you've randomly drifted into this building this morning. All of our salvation has what we could go back and look at events that we would think, well, that was random, that was random, that was random, that was random, and it's not random. God is saving Israel here in the text, and God has saved you, those of you who have repented and are trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. When you understand Scripture, when you understand your own salvation story, As a God-centered thing, then you realize all those seemingly random events in your life weren't random at all. You were searching for meaning and God ran you into some man or some woman or ran you up to his word or what have you. It seemed so random when you took out God's word and you began to read it, didn't it? And it was there that you came to find out that there's a king, a sovereign king, who's ruling and reigning. You may not have been aware of it at that moment of salvation. It's only as we grow in the Lord that we begin to see, you know, all those random events in my life weren't all that random at all. The Lord was orchestrating and bringing me to a place of salvation because it's not about the donkeys. It's about the sovereign king. Now we know we are not Samuel. We know we're not this random guy. We know we're not Saul. We're not the future king of Israel. But nonetheless, be entirely convinced that God is God and he's the sovereign king and he's at work in the minutest of details of your life. Why is that important to be convinced of that? Well, I already mentioned one reason. It brings great comfort, but it also brings worship. Praise him. It brings assurance, assurance of faith. It, it, it should slow us down a bit. Maybe, maybe pause and pray. Maybe look around and ask the question. You know, maybe this day isn't about just finding my donkeys. I have found myself in local phone stores for the last three months more times than I can even begin to tell you. And I don't understand it. And it feels so crazy. Uh, Well, maddening, not just random, but I'm just at the point like, guys, come on, get this figured out. I have sinned. I have had to go back to the Lord and just say, please. Me. And then I'm working on this sermon and I'm just going, you know what? There is no random to those who know the sovereign king. So slow down, slow down, pause, pray, maybe look around and ask the question, you know, maybe this day isn't just about finding my donkeys. Maybe God is bringing other people into my life. Maybe I'm to pray for them or pray with them. Maybe I'm to share the gospel. Maybe I'm to offer care or offer help or what it might be. I don't know. But God's in the details of life. All the details. It's not random. That 64 years ago. My dad moved from small town, Iowa to big city, Chicago, right? Small town, Iowa, big city, Chicago. It's not random that he met a girl. That girl's sitting next to him. He met a girl. He married the girl. They had two boys. It's not random that they moved from big city, Chicago, moved to Florida where the two boys would grow up. They would meet two amazing ladies who they would also, they're pretty dull boys, but they're not that dull. They would marry those ladies. My bride in front of me, this boy, my bride, then had four children, two of whom have met their spouses, all of whom are seeking to live for the Lord right into marriage i went into full-time ministry right out of college it went into an incredibly difficult first six years of ministry left me wondering at the end of six years left me wondering doubting questioning through a number of circumstances that a human being could not arrange odd things happen, things that would boggle the mind, just don't get this, I don't get that. Um, Through the sinfulness of man, including my own sin, and a zillion other details we won't go into, we ended up starting a church over 25 years ago. That church, 25 years later, is where my family and many of you call home. Trinity. Trinity. I did literally skip 10 million details that God used to bring us right to where we are at this moment. And you've got 10 million details of your own that's brought you right to this moment as well. And some of it, probably most of it, seems just so random. Probably, a good portion of it, possibly, includes... No small amount of suffering, questioning, maybe even doubting, lack of faith in the Lord. Maybe it includes your own rebellion against the Lord, rejecting the king. And on and on and on it goes. And yet, right now, in spite of the suffering and the doubting and the lack of faith in the rebellion and all the rest, right now, right here, God has you in this room because he's the sovereign king. You might think that you've arrived here this morning through an invitation of a friend and, and, and you did. But it's not about the invitation of a friend. It's not about the donkeys. It's about the sovereign king. he's sovereign. Sovereign king, even when the people are rejecting his rule and reign, and they they lust for a lesser king. You see, God can't cease to be king. It's who he is. It's what he is. He's sovereign. He's king. And so what's amazing is he's giving them what they want, and yet What they want is a rejection of him. And as they reject his rule and reign, he's going to rule and reign and care for them in their rebellion. That's what the sovereign king does. And that's what the sovereign king has done in here, in your life. Friends, he's been caring for you using all the seemingly random details of your life to bring you to this moment. For some of you, this is a moment of wow, worship, praise him, glory be to God. He's the sovereign king. It's a moment of faith and comfort and assurance. For others, it might be a moment of repentance that God cares about you enough to bring you to this moment to hear this sovereign king message to bring you to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's caring for you even as you've been rejecting him. And that's why you're in the room. Did you hear it? Chapter chapter 9 verse 16. All right, remember, chapter 8's the backdrop. We reject you. We want another king. Look at the the end of verse 16. He shall save my people. It's still my people. It's still God's people. From the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. He's kidding me. Did God miss chapter eight? No, he didn't miss chapter eight. Not only is he sovereign king, he's the faithful sovereign king. God is faithful and God is sovereign and God is good even when God is judge. And he's judging his people for their folly and their rejection, and he's giving them what they foolishly are asking for. Look at our handsome, tall guy. Wow, he's a looker. Isn't he something? So tall. Yeah, and handsome. Wow. Look at him. Verse 17. Saul, Samuel meet. Samuel tells him, donkeys are fine. Stay for a meal. And the chapter ends with Samuel letting the cat out of the bag. Verse 27. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us. So the random guy, you go ahead on ahead. I need to have some words with you. And when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. Chapter 10, verse 1, Richard already read it. Saul is anointed as king. Church, it's not about the donkeys in your life. Number three, what's come over the son of Kish? So notice how the narrative flows from here. We're going to see three signs. Three signs are given and two very specific instructions. The three signs that are given are to confirm all that's going on. Let's go ahead and read beginning in verse number two. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men. First sign, two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at, at Zelza. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? All right, that's the first sign. That's pretty strong, right? You're going to show up somewhere and the guy's going to say, there's your donkeys. All right, verse Three, the second sign. Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread. It's pretty specific. And another carrying a skin of water. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread. Greetings. Here's your bread, which you shall accept from their hands. Second sign. Pretty specific. Third sign. After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim. Uh, where there is a garrison of the philistines and there as soon as you come to the city you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp and tambourine flute and lyre before them prophesying then the spirit of the lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man wow okay we're we're specific all right so there's your three signs next uh Samuel provides Saul with some very specific instruction. Then go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I'm coming to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. So all the signs took place. One, two, three signs done, right? Like should have his attention, Maybe these signs that are so specific as they're unpacking throughout the day, maybe that should have my attention. Maybe I should follow the then following instructions. He's not going to follow the instructions. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him. Spirit of God rushed upon him, prophesied among them. When And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What's come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Let me just pause there for a moment. We'll look at how the signs aren't. Well, the, the signs happen, but the directions aren't followed. In other words, the signs don't produce this moment of, huh, maybe, maybe I should follow the instructions. In verse 8, he's told, go down to Gilgal, wait. Verse 13 talks about the high place. Some would say that this high place is home. Uh, I don't know. But it is to say, Saul's not following the instructions. Which is to say, Saul has the look of a king. He looks so kingly, but oh my, you've passed on the king of kings to take a king who simply has the look of a king. Well, as I've been saying, the king is at work. The king. And God will use this king because God is good and God is faithful in spite of this king, small K. Did you notice who had the bright idea of let's find the man of God? Well, it was the random young guy. It wasn't even Saul. It was the, the servant who was along for the ride to find the donkeys. It wasn't Saul's idea. It was the random guy, the guy we don't even know his name. It was the guy who's not the future king. What's more, Saul, when Saul meets Samuel, he doesn't even recognize him. I don't want to overstate this. It seems possible that an individual wouldn't recognize Samuel, but chapter 3 has told us that all of Israel knows Samuel. And Samuel's been judging ruling, if you will, over Israel since he was a boy under Eli and he's been traveling all over the nation and judging and leading and it's kind of hard to imagine that you just straight up don't know him at all. We're looking for a prophet guy. Have you, have you seen a guy fitting that description? Some prophet guy? Which leads us to point four. Tall Handsome and afraid. Verse 14, Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, where'd you go? And he said, to see the donkeys. (laughs) It's not about the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel and Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly. That the donkeys had been found. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, Saul, it's not about the donkeys. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he didn't tell him anything. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever had that conversation with your kids? It goes something like this How'd it go? Good. What'd you do? Nothing really. What'd you talk about? Not much. That's Saul with his uncle. Are you, are you kidding? Samuel has anointed Saul king. What'd he say to you? He told us where the donkeys are. All right. Now, why didn't he tell him what happened? Well, because the tall, tall, head and shoulders taller than anybody else in all the land, and the handsome, handsome, handsome guy, he's afraid. Verses 17 through 19. Now Samuel called the people together. This is the coronation of the king to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. Who, who's doing that? That's the king. the king of kings. But today you've rejected your God. Just re- remember remember chapter eight, Israel, you've rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you have said to Him, "Set a king over us." Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And so they go through this process to land on, uh, through the taking of lots, to land on Saul's your king. That's the shortened version. And this is the coronation of the king. But the coronation of the king comes with a reminder. It's a divine reminder. Samuel calls the people together and tells them about Saul? No, about the king that you've rejected. You've rejected God as your king, so I give you coronation. Wait, where are we at? Let's see. Let's go to verse 21. He brought the tribe of Benjamin nearby its clans and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot, but when they sought him, he couldn't be found. Here's your, wait, where'd he go? Where, where is, so they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he's hidden himself among the baggage. I, you can't make this stuff up. I give you your, where? Oh, he's among the baggage. Okay, verse, where are we at? 23. Then they ran and took him from there. Oh, dear. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what this is. I have a picture in my mind he's getting dragged out from the bags. And when he stood among the people, he was taller. <laughs> well, there we go. He still looks like a king. He's taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! Wow. Long live the king. They run, they grab him from the bags. Here he is. He's dull. You know what? I can't say that I blame them. But here is what Scripture is showing us the guy who looks The part, the guy, the people want to rally around. Long live the king. Look at this guy. What a guy. He looks the part. Well, he may look the part from the outside, but he's cowering and we haven't even got to the battlefield yet. This is your king. A great long live the king, they say. In verses 26 and 27, some people reject him all the way down to 27, but some worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? <laughs> I don't know what all's driving that. You know, maybe they're jealous. Maybe they want to be that guy. Maybe they're just going, yeah, uh, he's hiding in the bags. I'm not sure what all's going on, but they get it. The worthless guys, uh, they, they, they get it right, don't they? they? They're asking the right question. God's giving the people what they're asking for And these guys, they don't don't like it. Can this guy save us? How can this man save us, they ask. And they despised him and brought him no present. (laughs) But he held his peace. Saul looks the part. He's tall, he's handsome, but he's afraid and he's weak. Hear me, Jesus will come and he will not look the part. He doesn't have the look, Jesus. Scripture tells us. But he was without fear. He is our mighty king. Saul, he will fall short of what he's called to do. But King Jesus will do all the father has called him to do. And he will do that perfectly without sin, without the slightest blemish. He will be the perfect lamb of God. Behold your king. Saul goes on a search to find lost, lost donkeys. He can't find the donkeys. Jesus will instruct his disciples. Remember, we're celebrating it in a couple weeks. The kids will be singing. Jesus will instruct his disciples, go into town, untie that donkey, bring the donkey back to me, and then he will mount that donkey. He will ride into Jerusalem to the praises and the worship of the people. Saul returned home empty without donkeys. Christ will return home in victory. Jesus is king. Saul cowers in fear, hiding amongst the baggage. He will cower, we'll see in the future, before his enemies. Jesus went to the cross, and there is no cowering for Jesus. He went to the cross, and he soundly defeated our enemy sin and death itself. Jesus is your king. Saul heard the cheers of the people, long live the king, which is a good sentiment, but he will die an ugly death. Jesus died a different kind of ugly death. It was the death on the cross and yet it was a beautiful death, a death where Jesus the king lays down his life for his people. But what's more, Long live the king. Oh yeah, long live the king because the king rose from the grave. He defeats death itself and supremely rules over death itself. He's now seated. The king is seated at the right hand of the father. Saul saved Israel for a little bit and then he will flame out. Jesus came and died that you might be here today with life abundant life who is your king church is it your relationships is it your money is it your career is it your spouse is it your husband is it your wife is it your family is it your 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 children's happiness is that what you're making your king to be don't buy the lie Those kings can look so tall and so handsome. They can have the look of such a great rule and reign over our lives. Oh, if I could just get my my king to give me that happiness, then, oh, look at that. Surrender to the king of kings, the one who's sovereign over it all, the one who has laid his life down, the one and only who can save us from our sins. Let's stand together. Let's sing to our king.